With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. The whole new cycle hijacked by the Jalen Carter development. That is the biggest story in the NFL this week. It's big enough that it was on the network newscast on thir- on uh, Wednesday night when it broke. So how would you describe the week that you've had and how the Jalen Carter news has affected everything else? Yeah, I mean, let's start with the Jalen Carter news because obviously that's the most landmark thing that has happened down here in Indianapolis this week. And you have a player that uh, was in line to be the number one overall pick and certainly in consideration uh, for that slot having to return to Georgia and turn himself in and, and post bail and <laughs> be arrested on two misdemeanor charges in conjunction with a, a connection with a, a fatal car accident. And so it's a very messy, evolving, fluid situation that a lot of teams now have to spend a lot of extra time and effort getting their arms around, right? This is going to be a stretch here in the next two months where um, the comfort level of teams is going to be tested and, and, and there's going to have to be very serious internal discussions uh, that involve people above the front office in, in a lot of buildings to try to figure out how do you process this situation with Jalen Carter? How does it affect what you do with your decisions heading into the draft? Certainly the Bears are right in the epicenter of that entire discussion. So we're going to get into all of that with the details. We are also going to talk about who the Bears have maybe talked to this week and the impression some other guys have made. We'll get into your deep dive in the Chicago Tribune and chicagotribune.com about Justin Fields and what the book is on Justin Fields. You talk to a lot of people and got some really great stuff. It's, it's a it's a long read, but it's worth your time. Let's start with the Jalen Carter stuff, though, because he, on March 1st, goes back. He, first of all, leaves Indianapolis after the story breaks at 9 o'clock in the morning. He leaves the Combine, returns to Athens, Georgia. By that night, I think around 1045 on Wednesday night, he uh, turns himself in. The arrest warrant is issued. He spends 16 minutes in police custody at the athens Clark County Jail. He's charged with misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing, pays $4,000 bond, and he's out. And then there are reports that he's going to has returned to Indianapolis for measurements and interviews. First of all, before we get into the implications, I don't know who's giving him advice because he issued a statement, all caps, on social media that he will be exonerated. And then he goes down, pays his bond, and returns for interviews, probably going to be asked questions he can't possibly answer. I I just think overall, Dan, this is a very curious story about somebody making some very questionable decisions, and he continues to make them. They're trying not to hide from it at a time that's very pivotal uh, in the direction of where this young man's 
football life is going to head, but there's obviously more serious topics here. And that's why it is, David, so complex and so layered. And there are so many things that, that teams have to figure out how to get comfortable with. Even before this story came out this week, I had people I entrust implicitly in the league say, look, like this kid has maturity issues. There are some things that are high maintenance about him that you're going to have to, as an organization, try to sort through and get your arms around. This complicates that tenfold, 20-fold, 30-fold, whatever it may be, because now you're trying to look more deeply into a situation where there were people who lost their lives and people that were part of the same Georgia Bulldogs football program that Jalen Carter played in. And there are a lot of mysterious question marks in there. I understand the approach to try to hit this head on and not hide from it. And I think that's some of the decision making that's going on with Jalen Carter and his camp. But there is no easy solution. And it is a, a, a very tricky thing to go through. And like we say, it's a as we record this episode, it's March 2nd. And you're talking about the NFL draft now, you know, about eight weeks away uh, for everybody involved to try to get their arms around a, a situation that is again fluid evolving and, and may only get messier from here i don't know how you treat this like somebody who got busted with pot in his back pocket correct or or, or drinking and even even uh, pulled over for dwi whatever the case may be this is something that he is accused of according to the police report this isn't us you know making things up according to the police report he drove away from the scene of an accident that resulted in the fatalities of what you just described. Two young people lost their lives. Jalen Carter left the scene. Then he returned. Then he lied to police. Then he kept quiet. And this was all kept very quiet up to the point where Jalen Carter meets with the general manager of the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday night. This doesn't come up. Because nobody's aware that there's an arrest warrant issued for Jalen Carter. If you're Jalen Carter, don't you have some sort of obligation to at least say, hey, you know, uh, if you do take me, this might be around the corner. I just don't know if there's any accountability. So I, I think that there are some serious questions about his character that already existed that are now compounded. And, Dan, I think that, again, there are all kinds of issues that that – already with the legal jeopardy that he might find himself in, but the civil litigation remains mm -hmm. unresolved. If you draft Jalen Carter, you better be ready for crisis management 101 because you're going to deal with issues. Number one, this one, and then who knows right. what's coming next? Well, so there's a couple parts to this. And number one, like on Wednesday morning, Nolan Smith, who's a standout on that Georgia defense, does his interview session here at, at the combine and stands up at the podium and basically says, this is the first time I've talked about this openly about this car accident in which we lost people that were close to us in our football program. And he starts breaking down a little bit and shedding some tears over a very, very serious situation. And so it traces back to kind of this balance beam that everyone has to walk here in understanding that this is a very serious real life situation that now has also bled into the, the world of football, which it can be really hard to juggle those two things at once. That is, something the Chicago Bears have to do now going forward here and figure this out. And we don't have a track record with Ryan Poles to know what his level of risk aversion is or risk tolerance is, right? And so this period of free agency in the draft that's going to come up here in the next two months will be a test of, of you know, you, you can talk all about culture and character, your actions with who you sign and, and what you're willing to reward them with will speak to that. And like, like his predecessor, right? Like Ryan Pace, for the most part, stood behind his belief that we're not going to bring in guys with with messy past and yet 
went out and signed Ray McDonald <laughs> in one of his his first major moves, and that obviously blew up in their face very, fairly quickly. They had to release Ray McDonald, and everything went haywire. And so, the, the, you know, there are these tests here for a young unproven general manager to sort through and figure out what do we want to do here? I think David, my hunch, and you can tell me if you agree or not, is that the bears are going to steer way away from Jalen Carter here, regardless of how talented they see him on film and understanding of how disruptive he could be on their defense. Well, I was curious what your hunch would be because that would be mine. And it's only based on the fact that maybe I can't get past this kind of philosophical psychological barrier where I can't really rationalize how they would do anything except for be ultra cautious and stay away. And you, you mentioned the McDonald situation. I, I, I know that uh, George McCaskey prides himself in hiring people and letting them do their jobs and staying out of football business and matters like that, but he can't possibly withhold that kind of, uh, information or or he can't possibly sit back and not share that experience with Ryan Poles and number one how badly it backfired on the Bears organization and secondly how badly it backfired on George McCaskey in terms of his damage to his reputation he well went in and then it, it, it didn't pay off I, I think that's got to be part of this if they're having this conversation in the Bears organization at Hallis Hall or whatever they're doing about what to do about Jalen Carter, that's got to come up. In conjunction with that, David, Kevin Warren was hired in part to help be a sounding board for Ryan Poles in complicated decisions and have discussions that stimulate uh, productive thought as you work forward toward those decisions that can be truly landmark in a lot of different ways. And so um, you would think, uh, you know, Kevin Warren hasn't officially started on the job, but you would think that that, that those phone lines are open and Ryan Poles should be on the phone with, you know, who is going to be his direct overseer to, to talk about this and say, Hey, here's how we've got him graded. Here were some of our concerns. Is this a situation where we take him completely off the board? You know, because again, we're talking about a, a, a possibility where the bears trade down right and then maybe they get outside the top five and there's now a possibility that Jalen carter will be sliding down the draft board because teams will say not not interested you know not right. not going to take that risk and so now that discussion becomes uh not just the guy that you would you consider taking him at one or two what if he's there at nine and you've gotten your way back to nine well now you've got a whole different uh equation to sort through but to your point, I don't think you can stand up there for a year plus if you're Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and talk about culture and talk about principles and talk about having guys in that building that do everything the right way and then make this one of your biggest headline-grabbing acquisitions of the biggest offseason of the 21st century for the Chicago Bears. You're, you're trying to build credibility, not destroy it. And, and I just don't know how you build it if you contradict everything that you claim to have stood for in the first year on the job. And that is as simple as that. And to refresh the memory of some Bears fans who might be thinking, what are the heck are they talking about, Ray McDonald? Okay. It is <laughs> it is going back a ways. It's going back to twenty. Was it fifteen? Yeah, so that's Ryan's that's Ryan's first year. Yeah. It was Ryan Pace's first year when he was trying to build his own platform and, and talking about the things that, you know, the platitudes that young general managers talk about before they have to get their hands dirty a little bit. March twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen, Ray McDonald signs with the Bears. He had some things in his past. He was he was reported to being investigated for a possible sexual assault. There was some things that with the 49ers, he encountered the Bears signed him anyway on March 24th, 2015. On May 25th, yep. about two months later, he was released after being arrested on charges of domestic violence and child endangerment. So he ran into trouble again. And, and that was and, it. 
that was it. And George McCaskey, at the time that they signed him, had vouched for him, if I recall correctly. Correct. And it was something that backfired. And it, and it, and it should be a lesson that they don't forget, even though it was eight years ago. As a beat guy, you remember where you were on the dates that you just mentioned. That the signing occurred while we were at the owners' meetings in in uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I recall having this emergency session with George McCaskey because someone from the organization had to come forward and explain how they found themselves to a comfort level in making the signing to begin with. And if you remember, George kind of stepped in it in that session and saying, "Listen, like we spoke to Ray's parents, and they speak very highly of him." Well, there probably were four or five other people that you probably wanted to reach out to and get some thoughts on before you made a signing that large. Then you mentioned May of, of, of when the next legal transgression occurred, and that's Memorial Day. It was literally Memorial Day weekend. I recall being out playing golf with my with my family and being like, oh, this is one of those NFL stories. Stop everything you're doing. Ray McDonald is, is in legal trouble, and we're going to see if the Bears truly had a zero tolerance policy with having him there. He was quickly out the door, never played a snap as a Chicago Bear. And that, like you said, it was it was embarrassing for the franchise. It was also embarrassing on a level that's like five levels below what we're talking about with Jalen Carter, who, if you were to draft him, would become one of the – I don't want to say faces or voices of the franchise, but he'd be one of the guys that you're plastering on billboards, right? Like, and, and saying, this is one of our key acquisitions. And that I don't know would sit real well with a leadership team that, that wants to build something according to a vision of like, we're going to do everything correct. Oh yeah. I remember where I was when Ray McDonald <laughs> got cut because it was May, it was Labor uh, Memorial Day weekend. I was in Anaheim covering the Blackhawks against the Ducks for the Tribune, and I wasn't happy having to write a Ray McDonald <laughs> column before watching a little hockey. Don't interrupt my hockey. Uh, so, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, you know, you're right about Jalen Carter. When you're talking about next year and you're talking about this rebuild and the, the project and how immense it is, you want people at the front of it that you can, that will help you sell hope, not cynicism. You need somebody to kind of change the, the narrative, not repeat history. And I think that's the part that is hard to quantify, but easy to identify, right? Because yeah. Jalen Carter at the front of this, because of everything he's going through now, and frankly, the stuff that was already kind of whispered behind the scenes tells me if I'm the Bears, no matter how dangerous he – that's the wrong word. No matter how disruptive of a football player he can be, I don't know if you are in a position where you can take that risk. Well – I don't think we're going to get a lot of clarity on this until after the draft ends. It doesn't really benefit the Bears to even on background sort of administer where they are in their philosophies and their thought processing on this very specific matter. But I do think that when we get beyond the, the draft, there are going to be opportunities to be like, okay, how did you guys sift through that, right? And then get some some more clarity to, to what their processes were and what they thought. And that th those sessions can be very telling about the way a regime wants to operate and the vision they have and how they, um, you know, navigate around <laughs> obstacles. And this is a big one. And to, to go along with that, David, I think there is this, um, there's been a consensus that defensively the top two guys in the draft are, are Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. And then you sit and you listen to Will Anderson talk on uh, Wednesday and, and you feel his passion for the game. You feel his commitment to work. You feel all of the things that Matt Eberflus says he wants in a football player 
just oozing off of Will Anderson. And you say, okay, this also helps you get comfortable in making a decision on Jalen Carter because you have another option potentially if you're going to stay at number one or depending on where you move back to. That makes perfect sense and that you would have zero regret on rolling the dice. Whether it worked out or not, you would look back and say, well, we don't regret that. And so sometimes regret factor comes into these decisions on if it fails, why will it fail? And did we see the failure coming in advance? And with Jalen Carter, it's obviously a lot messier than it would be with a guy like Will Anderson. Will Anderson seemed like he was straight out of central casting. In for the Bears, right? Like just the, yeah. the ideal front man for this kind of project, the ideal guy you put in a locker room and you, and he says, follow me. He's young. He's aggressive. He's dynamic. He's got charisma. Everything that he said during his podium time, you're like nodding your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want that guy. Football guy's football guy. I mean, this is who you want leading the leading the charge. One more little question detail-wise about Jalen Carter. He came back to Indianapolis to meet with teams and to be measured and all the th- different things at the combine. I think that's bad advice. It doesn't matter what I think. Are the Bears among the teams, to your knowledge, that were on the list of, to meet with Jalen Carter? I do not know. I do not know. And so we'll dig around on that a little bit more. Uh, we'll see how, kind of how this unfolds before the this event ends. And then it's all about figuring out what the next steps are. You'd imagine there's going to be some activity at Georgia for a pro day. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, the Bears will have an opportunity to bring Jalen Carter into their building at some point on a top 30 visit, if so desired. And and that would give them more time and full day to try to digest some of this. It's going to be really uh, compelling to figure out which direction they go with this and then to kind of hear their explanations for how they went with it.